at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, May 31st, 2023 edition. I'm Justin Klein. I'm excited for this hour with you today. I know I didn't talk to you yesterday, but I hope everyone had a wonderful ho- wonderful holiday weekend. And uh, we're ready to get, get going. You know, this is a time for us to discuss all the different variables that go into understanding the current market environment and giving the data and perspective to help you make the most of it, right? And to make a good, consistent decisions each and every day. Now, you're never going to make the right decision every single time. That's just the nature of investing. And you don't want to kick yourself, but you want to learn every time you do make a poor decision. Uh, and even when you make good decisions, right, you can learn from that as well. Uh, unfortunately, most people, right, they, 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 uh, they pat themselves on the back more than really studying why they've uh, been successful. Uh, and so, but this, this is an hour to really hash it all out. Uh, and that's why your questions are top of mind. You set the table. They're vital to this program. Uh, I can talk about whatever's on my mind, but really this is this is about you. Whatever uh, topic you want to bring to the table, we are ready to uh, discuss it. And we don't pre-screen any of our live calls. Instead, we take what you throw at us and give you our answer and our viewpoints based on the data, lots of data that we have in front of us. And so... No hidden agenda. We're just here to give you the the risks and rewards. That's what investing is about. There are risks and there are rewards. And your job is to have better risk versus rewards. Doesn't mean that every risk you take is going to work out, but you want to make sure that the the the, the risks you do take, um, you your payoff is is obviously higher than uh, those those potential losses, which which can happen, right? And you know, this is about ignoring emotions, focusing on the task at hand and the data that's in front of you, not chasing headlines or chasing returns or chasing the latest fad. Uh, oftentimes that fear and greed will lead you to make poor decisions. And our job is to make sure you don't, you eliminate those counterproductive habits. Okay. And the quicker you can do that, the quicker you can reach, you can achieve your own version of financial freedom. Now we're ready to tackle your questions. You've got Calls for me and uh, I have answers. And our Invest Talk phone lines never close at 888 chart. Now, my main focus looks in the story. Markets are sounding alarm in the world's second largest economy, and that is China. We're going to look at the data and how much can we really glean from the recent activity. Uh, and how does the Chinese market or economy function? Hint, hint, it's a bit different than ours. And uh, that plays into how you look at what's happening over there. Now, time permitting, I want to touch on some other things. One is NVIDIA. Uh, to, you'll be maybe shocked to learn that despite the 
drastic overvaluation when it comes to their uh, current earnings multiple and sales multiple. On an earnings basis, they have been priced higher in the past, okay? Have been priced higher in the past. So, you know, this is a good primer or it will be a good primer to really look at this and help you understand how the market is pricing the name in the history of uh, NVIDIA. Uh, so in one aspect, it's the highest ever and in others, it's second highest, okay, depending on which metric you're looking at. So we're going to look at that and some some viewpoint into the past uh, on and how that played out. And then lastly, or not lastly, but secondly, I want to get into crypto scams and mainly seniors. And you'll be surprised to know that last year, over a billion dollars, one billion dollars was lost to crypto scams by senior citizens. And that number continues to ramp higher and higher as there are more and more bad actors out there that are looking to strike it rich. So we want to look at that and try to help you avoid, or maybe it's not you, maybe it's a family member, but make sure that uh, nobody falls victim to these crypto scams. And then lastly, trash is becoming valuable again. And it's not just uh, for the actual trash, trash, but the, uh, the, the gas offs, can we say, the gas that comes from the trash and how valuable that's becoming. And it's becoming more and more valuable. So I wanted to highlight that. All right, so that's what's on the docket for us today, but ultimately, I want to know what's on your mind. We have questions uh, from our voice bank. One is on portfolio management. The other is on Teradyne. And we have an iTunes review question to fit in as well. So I have all this planned for this episode of Invest Talk, And of course, your live calls at 888 chart Now let's take a quick look at the market today. It was a decidedly negative day overall. The weakest sector in the market was energy down about 1.8%. The financial services down about 1.26, basic materials 1.2, industrials down 1.9. Real estate, that did the best, up about 0.51%. Utilities 0.88%, healthcare 0.79%. So those uh, interest rate sensitive sectors, those were stronger on the back of uh, interest rate expectations that continue to push to the downside. The 10-year has pulled back, especially after this debt ceiling has been... Uh, resolved and the 10 year closed on Friday right around 38 and change 3.82 uh, looks like and now it's at 3.63 that's a pretty big move it doesn't sound like a lot but that's a pretty big move in two days uh, on interest rates and that's why you saw those interest rate sensitive sectors do a bit better uh, we continue to see uh, the cyclical side of the market pull back a bit and uh, we'll see if that continues but it is at some major support and the dollar is at some major resistance. All right, let's pivot over to our first listener question now. And here it is. Hey, Stephen, Justin. This is Romero from the Bay Area. Like your input on Disney, thicker, simple, D-I-S. I'm currently down on my position right now, and I'm looking to add more to it. Do you think it'll drop down lower? Uh, or is right now a good price? Any additional info would greatly be appreciated. Thank you. All right, well, Disney has been in a downtrend really since those growth stocks peaked out in early 2020, 
21. Yeah, early 2021. And it was trading really at egregious uh, multiples, especially in relation to the revenue that Disney Plus was likely to bring. And that's really what that hype is all about. It's a good, this is a good example, right? NVIDIA is the hot stock right now, traded, now trading at ridiculous multiples. Disney was the same thing. A lot of these names, uh, if everyone extrapolated the COVID shutdown and the growth in subscribers, that that would uh, suddenly sustain itself for multiple years. Well, it turned out that was pretty much a flash in the pan. And Disney earnings struggled during the pandemic, as you would expect, with uh, theme parks closed. Earnings went from five seventy six, all down to two dollars and two cents in twenty twenty, back up to three dollars and ninety four cents expected this year. But earnings or analysts are are, are uh, seeing estimates going down this year and next year. So that trend uh, remains pretty poor. Obviously, you have uh, a big part of their business is ESPN and that franchise. And, you know, I, I don't think many people get, they don't watch SportsCenter like they used to. Uh, they're going to have to bid for the NBA contract that's coming up and probably have to pay a lot more. Um, so, you know, the, the rights to sports is becoming more expensive. And, and obviously, a big part of their business, too, are selling advertising. On, on ESPN and, and, and their other um, other assets. And so uh, advertising spending is, is ebbing as well. So that's there's a lot of issues here. You're seeing the last three quarters, revenues were up, kind of average about 10% per quarter year over year, but earnings were negative in all three quarters, negative 14% year over year last quarter, negative seven the quarter before, and negative 19% the quarter before that. So those earning trends just continue to struggle. Now, what I will say is going from $200 per share all the way down to 87 and change, you're starting to get into an area where it's now reasonably priced. It's no longer super expensive. You have an enterprise value to EBITDA right around 16 times. And for a company like Disney with the, uh, with the quality of assets it has, that's starting to get into the realm of reasonable. However, if you go back to pre-COVID, the enterprise value typically when it got cheap, it was in the low teens, right? Right around 10 times. So I, I don't think that it is cheap. It's probably in the range of fair, fairly valued. It's always hard to know exactly where that is. Uh, but the technicals remain pretty weak. So I would stay away from it for now. It's been hammering on some major support here around 86. And it looks like it wants to break low, lower. So I'm passing on Disney for now until those trends in earnings reverse. Now we're going into a quick break. Please remember that you can call anytime and leave your question on the Talk Voice Bank. Or if you're listening live via our live stream or on AM1220 in the Bay Area, you can call now at 888-99-CHART. When listener questions are played on the Invest Talk podcast, how do you guys determine a value stock? The caller voices are amplified many thousands of times. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. How do you see this uh, looking forward? I'm 25 years old and have a question about retirement funds. And the unbiased answers from Justin Klein. That's why it's trading so cheap, because there's a lot of regulatory risk. Here. And Steve Peasley. I, I kind of like it here. If I was going to buy Tyson food, this is where I'd buy it. Benefit the entire Invest Talk community. Thank you for what you guys do. That's why 24 7, rain or shine, no matter how simple or how complex, your questions make a difference. Symbol BKE, what's your outlook? And Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. So don't forget to call 888 99 Chart. 
Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Stephen Justin, it is Art from Tucson. Hey, I'm looking at British American Tobacco, BTI. I have a position in it. I've held it for a while. It's in a steady downtrend. It's down about 18%. I bought it as a, a consumer defensive, supposedly recession-proof type stock and a great dividend at um, 8 plus percent. Yeah, wondering what you think about it. I'm thinking about adding to it. You know, it plays into that whole supply chain narrative. Still a devoted demographic of tobacco users out there, but not a lot more supply coming on. Not a lot of new tobacco companies coming into existence. I'm just wondering why it's in such a downtrend. It's almost back to its uh, three-year low. And if this would be a good time to add to it, I can't get information on earnings, uh, current earnings for some reason. Schwab isn't revealing that information. Anyway, wondering what you thought, if it's a good time to add to it, or if you think it's going to come down some more, I'll listen on the podcast. Thanks for all you do for us. Appreciate it. Bye. All right, BTI, and this is one of those cash cows, high dividend yields, and it does have a business that is slowly melting, but very slowly, and so you're, it's going to trade cheap, and earnings expectations this year and next year are coming down, so that's uh, one issue, uh, and then the debt, you know, they do have a decent amount of debt in their balance sheet, and uh, the cost of that debt uh, will certainly be, um, you know, certainly be going higher. So that's that's one issue. Now, when it comes to its multiple trading about eight times enterprise value to EBITDA long term, that's about fairly valued, right? So it's about uh, probably fairly to the average is nine and a half percent. So right, it's about eight. So you call uh, about ten to fifteen percent undervalued, uh, just simply based on that metric. And that's one metric. Um, so it is a cheap name, um, but you know, your exposure, about 45% of revenues are coming from the US. So uh, 55% is coming in the other basically developed nations. It looks like about 10% uh, Africa, Middle East, 59% the Americas, Asia Pacific 10, Europe 21%. Um, So uh, one good thing is they're geographically diverse. However, you do have some uh, currency risk there, right? With uh, basically over 50% of the revenues coming in uh, non-dollar, non-dollar revenues. So that's really uh, the issue. Uh, the question you have to ask yourself is what percentage of your portfolio is it? And do you want to be adding more? Uh, it is at support right here around $31 per share. And I'd keep an eye on that. If it breaks that, that's when you really start to get worried about the name. All right. Now we're heading into a break. I welcome your finance investment questions now. Let's give Investock a call at 888-99-CHART. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Investock, 888-99-CHART. Now my focus point looks in the story about markets and how they're sounding the alarm on the world's second largest economy, and that is China. And one analyst thinks that they're missing the big picture, and I, I, in, in some ways I definitely agree. But 
what you're seeing here is that after the economy accelerated to 4.5% growth in the first quarter, uh, sorry, it did accelerate in the first quarter from 4.5% from 2.9% in the fourth quarter as they raised or removed the COVID restrictions. So this natural, uh, this natural return to order within China uh, has certainly helped their economy and thus end demand, uh, obviously energy and demand continues to grow. Uh, but recently, retail sales have dropped, home sales have dropped, industrial production has, have dropped, and fixed asset investments have dropped as well. And this is making Wall Street trim growth estimates for the full year. You've had uh, a lot of basic materials like copper uh, pull back to a four-month low, and even luxury brands that are dependent on growth and spending within the Chinese economy, uh, they have pulled back as well. But the big question is, is this more of a short-term little hiccup, or will the second half uh, reopening and growth uh, actually materialize? And I think that would be a big factor in the global economy uh, and end demand for uh, raw materials. And remember, China did set a growth target in March of 5%. And that's much lower than, I believe it was like 8 or 9% growth. They were targeting uh, kind of pre-COVID. So they've kind of come to the realization that, hey, you know, it's maybe far-fetched, especially considering their demographic situation, to expect high single-digit growth year after year after year. And the interesting part about China is that they operate very different than ours, right? Our economy is driven really by monetary and fiscal policy. But if they, if the Fed raises rates and does QT like they're doing now, that's obviously going to crimp lending growth and slow the economy. If the government passes stimulative uh, f fiscal packages, uh, if there are... Um, if there, are, if there are entitlement programs that uh, push money into the economy, that's certainly going to fuel economic growth. In China, it's similar, but a bit different. A, they, they can change the interest rates, and they certainly do that, but they also change things like reserve requirements at banks. We don't really do that. That's a very powerful tool. Uh, People's Bank of China often does that, and that could basically open up balance sheets for banks to go out there and lend. Oftentimes they also uh, have quotas for their different banks and where they want to lend and maybe investing in local projects as well. And so supporting those local um, building uh, initiatives or uh, maybe investment initiatives in some way, shape or, or form. And we don't really do that, right? There's been talk about that, about the, the Fed kind of shifting policy, the government kind of shifting policy and uh, instructing banks to lend in the certain uh, sectors. China does that. And historically, that's been not that great, at least longer term, right? Poor misallocation of capital, or I guess you just call it misallocation of capital. Uh, but in the near term, that does put dollars out into the economy, or in this case, yuan, and that does stimulate the, the overall economy. So the Chinese government has a lot more levers to really push on the economy forward. 
Now, youth unemployment remains pretty high, and obviously geopolitical risks with what's happening in Russia, what's happening with uh, our relationship with China, that's certainly top of mind, I think, for uh, for the leaders, for Xi Jinping and, and, and the rest of the um, less, rest of the leadership there. And I think probably what's most worrying, uh, it would be that private investment side, because they can't, it's hard for them to really manipulate that. And the private investment has slowed pretty dramatically. And that ultimately leads into employment for those workers. And 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 it, it's a kind of a harbinger to how well the Chinese economy is going to do longer term. If companies are putting money to build, putting money in to build more factories and for production, then obviously that... Uh, there's a lot of fixed costs, a lot of uh, sunk costs that they're going to continue to build their things there for an extended period of time. But if companies start to pivot, as we talked about in a more material way, I think that's the issue. I think that's the the longer term problem with China. I don't. I actually think the recent kind of uh, slowdown in numbers is more uh, is not really indicative of kind of the medium term growth because I think that China. It still has the tools to uh, bring about economic growth, as we talked about. But longer term, I think that's their issue. How do they pivot away from being the manufacturing hub of the world, uh, yet still keep their uh, their economy and their uh, political stability at the same time? I think that's uh, the biggest risk with China right now over the long term. But medium term, I think the, uh, the fears of slower uh, China are, are a bit overblown. Now, in the next Invest Talk, this story. When your retirement confidence drops, focus on four keys. A combination of high inflation and low levels of savings are prompting many people to lose confidence in their ability to retire well, research finds. And if investors take action in four key areas, experts say it could help improve their lifestyles. That story is for tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein, ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off 
now at rosettastone.com slash today. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Hi, good day, Steve and Justin. Uh, this is Matt from Minnesota. I have a question for you guys. Hopefully, you could answer for me, please. Uh, first of all, I'd like you to look at a fund I've been looking at, and hopefully, it looks like something you guys would recommend. Uh, the ticker is VTV. It is a value fund, and hopefully it has what you feel are some good holdings and a good yield on it and pays well. My question is, though, VTV, which I believe is a value fund, what would be the benefit? I know you've recommended value funds, but what exactly would be the benefit of investing in that one rather than like VOO, which I believe is a 500 wouldn't all these stocks in that value be in the 500 fund? So you'd be getting those value stocks plus some of the growthier ones that are taken off right now, like NVIDIA and Microsoft and some of the ones with AI technology and so forth. Um, would that be a benefit? Or then just to include everything, I also hear that mid and small caps are going to be rising hopefully down the road here. Wouldn't you be better off then with something like the Vanguard Total Stock Market Fund, which has, I believe, approximately 5,000 stocks in it? So you'd be getting all of your value, all of your growth, mid-cap, small-cap, and probably then some on top of it. Would that be a better sector for long-term growth? And that also pays dividend, I believe. And I'm talking like a growth period of a decade or more. Thank you for your insight and help. Look forward to hearing your answers on the podcast. Have a good day. Well, it depends on what you want exposure to, right? If you want something that's going to be more balanced, then uh, the broad VTI or the VOO, uh, the S&P, those are going to have uh, more uh, uh, other growth names, and you are going to get exposure to that. Now, uh, we think that's more of flash in the pan, and not necessarily flash in the pan, but those those names are drastically overvalued. And you know, if you want something that's going to be more just following the the broad markets, that's fine. If you think longer term, value will perform due to uh, the the shift towards a higher cost of capital, uh, multiples uh, coming down across the board and, and mainly in those uh, growthier names, then you would want something that leans more on the value side. And that's what VTV is, right? It's more straight large cap value. Um, so it depends on what you're looking for and what you believe going forward. Uh, just different, uh, different strokes for different folks, right? Uh, some people are just happy with the, the broad index and you buy the S&P. Now you could buy the VTI and there's certainly more names in there. Let me take a look here. Yeah, there's something near nearly 4,000 names in VTI versus the S&P that's 500 names, but they're both market cap weighted. So it's still going to be heavily weighted towards those larger names, the Apples, the Microsofts, the Amazons, the NVIDIAs of the world that have, you know, the, the, the mega caps. Okay. Um, so both are going to be, but you are going to get some more exposure to those mid cap names, not really small cap names with VTI, but more, a little bit more of the, the medium, the mid cap. So longer term, small mid caps have better risk adjusted returns. And so 
yes, so you're probably going to do better with a VTI over uh, the S&P or a VOO, right? Um, but if you're, if you're in the mind that longer term value uh, investing wins out, not every single month, not every single quarter, not every single year, but in most times when the cost of capital is something, which for the last decade and up until the last couple of years, uh, post-financial crisis, it's been really nothing, right? And that's when growth's outperformed and you have these periods where you'll, you'll see them uh, outperform, but ultimately longer term value does outperform. But maybe you're in the mind that growth will continue outperform. If you are in that mind that you want something more balanced, then uh, a VTI would probably be more appropriate than a VOO. But um, that, that's, that, that's the, sorry, VTI would be more appropriate than a VTV, which is the value uh, ETF. Hope that answers your question. Now let's talk a bit about scams. And last year, the FBI reported that American senior citizens lost over $1 billion in crypto scams. And this is a 78% increase year over year. So it's not like this is slowing down. And more than half of all 60, uh, all, all everyone in the United States over 60 admit they know next to nothing about crypto. And so it's no shock that they are still falling victim to scams because most of these scams are too good to be true type of pitches. And especially when you don't understand stand the asset class or understand the risks, it doesn't matter. You're still, you still can fall prey to these pitches that are often seen online, right? In social media. And that's usually where it starts. It usually starts with some sort of advertisement on social media. Now, the most common cryptocurrency in 2022 was investment related. So not just a scam, but uh, not, not just stealing the money, but pitching them on an investment idea. And there were about 3,292 victims last year for a combined loss on the investment side of $716 million. And most of these are simply Ponzi schemes. And that's what, what, what you see a lot in the crypto world. I, that's kind of what those yield farms were. Uh, they were basically Ponzi schemes. And we all know how that uh, tends to uh, settle out. Now, the best way to avoid these scams are simply to have someone else's eyes on their money. Not necessarily making the decisions, but able to throw up a red flag, right? So if they open an account, an elderly person, somebody in retirement, opens some sort of an account, whether that's at Coinbase or some sort of crypto exchange, that's the first red flag. What are you, what, what is somebody in their retirement years doing, putting money towards something that's extremely risky? The vast majority of uh, uh, retirees should not have any money in crypto whatsoever. Now if they do, you know, maybe it's a very small percentage, that's fine, right? But having somebody making sure that they're not doing that uh, and not, not allocating more than say 1% of their total uh, assets into that area is something you, you, you can help them avoid. Um, and I wanted to highlight this because this is from the FBI. This is something that they are studying. They're cracking down on these crypto scams, but that also means that there are victims that continue to come about. Uh, and as more and more boomers are, are retiring and, and getting on social media, 
uh, it's easy to fall prey to these too good to be true scams and the crypto world is filled with them. All right. Now I want to quickly pivot over to our invest talk review section uh, on iTunes and take a question right now from Beirut Don. And he says, I was looking for a shipping related stock that was cheap. I found an ETF. The expense ratio is pretty high over 2%. It is using freight futures, futures which I have no experience with, seems at or near low end of the range. Being an ETF, it can't go lower, can it? Well, the answer is is absolutely yes, it can. Let me pull up this one. I haven't heard of a freight futures one, BDRY, BDRY. This is interesting. There's, there's always very interesting ETFs that are launched. Yeah, this one is just destroying uh, capital. Yeah, uh, it peaked out back in 2021 in the, the, the fall, right on $40 per share. Now it's at $5.78 per share. Now, this is, looks sounds like it's trading freight futures. And, and any fund, and there's a lot of commodity-linked funds that are trading futures, and there's they're, they're typically buying short-dated futures. And... What that means is that there's a cost to roll these each and every month. And you eat that. If you're owning one of these funds, you eat that. So these are typically not something you want to buy and hold. They can be investment or they can be trading vehicles for short periods of time. Because if, if your thesis around the price of a commodity, or in this case, freight prices, plays out, this can be a good way to to play it. But you don't want to hold this long-term, A, because of that 2% expense ratio, um, but also because of the roll costs. So if you want to play dry bulk uh, prices, just buy a, there's not a lot of well-run ones, but a, a well-run carrier, right? Freight carrier. And you're going to participate in the upside and not have the downside. Um, so, and, th and that applies to almost everything in the, the commodity space. We like to own the best of breed within the industry as opposed to uh, trying to play that underlying, um, underlying price and especially ones that trade futures. So I would pass on it and it can absolutely go lower. Let's go to Herbert in San Antonio. Wants to talk about emergency funds. Oh, hello, Justin. Thank you so much for taking my call. I've been a long-time listener. I've been listening for about three years. Thank you so much for all your, what all you guys do. And my question is, so I ha I'm building my emergency funds uh, three to six months, and uh, basically I'm up to two months right now. Uh, once I do build the, or have enough for three months, my question is, I've heard, I believe I've heard Steve say, put it in a tax-free account, um, is that so, or do I hold it in cash in case I do need it for an emergency? What is your advice on that? Well, you can do two things, right? The first thing is if you have a Roth IRA, you can contribute to a Roth IRA. Now, you're not going to get a tax write-off on that, but you can take what you put into that tax-free at any time, okay? Penalty-free at any time. You can't take the growth of it, but you can take the original amount that you contributed. And then you can invest in whatever you want, 
right? You can invest it into C- CDs or treasuries or a money market account that's going to pay you some sort of yield, okay? And that's probably what you want to do. So you can do both. Okay. Would that be, and would that so you're saying I can take if an emergency does occur I can take that or some of that money out tax free. You can you can take out the what you have contributed to that Roth IRA, not the growth of it, right? So if you put say over two year period because you can't do ten thousand dollars in one year, but maybe you do five thousand one year, five thousand next year, you have ten thousand dollars, and you're investing that in money markets, treasuries, something very safe, which is what you want your emergency fund to be in something that's liquid and, and, and doesn't lose value and just going to earn you some sort of yield. And you can that, that that income that you get is not going to be taxable to you each year, right? You've already paid the tax on it. this is this is money going to a Roth, you aren't taking a, a, a write off on that uh, contribution, you this is after tax money. And if you ever need that after tax money, you can take it out penalty free. And anything you earn on that is not going to be taxable to you. If you put that into your bank or a high yield money market account uh, at Marcus or you know uh, wherever, and you're earning yield on that, that's going to be taxable yield, taxable income to you this year. So that Roth IRA is a great tool to kind of store your emergency dollars uh, where you can touch it if you really need it. Obviously, you don't really, you know, don't want to, don't want to have to, but you can be free if needed. Thanks for the call. Now, Steve and I have been telling you that for a while now, we're in a new market cycle, new market environments, and for serious investors, you need to adjust your thinking and strategies to fit the time. And of course, I want to take a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial where we practice parallel investing and we invest right alongside our clients, which means we, we walk the walk, right? And so I encourage you to reach out for our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. Just send us a message to investtalk.com if you feel you need help and guidance to uh, reach your goals, uh, reach your goal, which is always financial freedom. So you can call our office at 800-557-5461 as well. And the sooner you Get in touch with us the sooner we can help you get your portfolio optimized. All right. Now let's squeeze in one more quick question. Hi, this is Mario from Kansas. I want to have your opinion on buying this stock for a dividend V-I-C-I. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. This is Vici Properties. This is a definitely interesting name. This has actually been a name that we've uh, we, we've discussed, uh, uh, and is on our watch list, shall, shall we say, and this is a REIT and it owns gaming hospitality properties throughout the United States. Uh, their main big property would be Caesars palace in Las Vegas. They own some golf courses as well. And, uh, they're fairly well diversified. And so, you know, we, we like this, uh, th- this company overall. Uh, it is a pretty good income play, 5% current dividend, and it's in the REIT space, which has been under pressure, but mainly because of office properties, and that's not really what they do, right? They're focused more on leisure and hospitality, which certainly has a level of cyclicality to it, so you know, that's why you're not going to see you know big earnings growth near term, um, but 
domiciled here in the United States, uh, pretty much all their properties, which is good. Their top tenant, 40% of the revenue is coming from Caesars Entertainment, 36% coming from MGM Resorts. That's 76% from those, those two names. And so we like that overall and uh, give Vici a thumbs up. Now this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your calls in now at 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Hey, this is Andrew from Atlanta. I was calling about ticker symbol T-E-R, that's Teradyne Incorporated. I've had it for a little bit and was curious what your analysis is looking forward with this company. It's been up for us a little bit. I did see in some other reports that um, they're saying to avoid it, you know, so not so glowing. But it was curious, uh, your opinion. Big fan of the show. Congratulations on having over 50 million downloads. Thanks. All right, looking at Teradyne, and what they do is they provide testing equipment, including automated testing equipment for semiconductors, system testing for things like hard drives, circuit boards, electronic systems, wireless testing for devices. So they're deeply ingrained into this, these industries. Um, and what's interesting is they entered the industrial automation market in 2015. So I like that part of it. Now, the issue is near term, this is, a, this is a very cyclical business. It goes up and down uh, based on the chip cycles, uh, based on over and under capacity within the chip sector. And obviously, during 2021, it was all about chip shortage. And now, in a way, there's parts of the chip market that are oversupplied and there's overcapacity. And so earnings went from 283 pre-pandemic to $5.98 in 2021 but expected to earn only $2.77 this year. So it's a good company. I, I, I Don't get me wrong. I like the company. But within this part of the market, right, electronic measurement solutions within the chip space, there are others that I like better. Okay. Um, so I guess that's the long and short of it. If you look at Teradyne in the last four quarters, the average drop in revenue year over year is in the high teens, about 20%, and earnings down 35% on average for the last four quarters. So the earnings trends just aren't great. Um, so I'd be looking within the space. I like the space. I just don't like this particular name. All right. Now, lastly, let's touch on, let's touch on NVIDIA. And after the, it's really interesting to see this cycle kind of play out many times. When I kind of started my career, this was the beginning of the, the dot-com boom. And at that time, companies like Dell, Microsoft, they traded at a thousand times earnings. And some of them eventually grew into those valuations. It took them 15, 20 years for many of them. Others, they still have not grown into those valuations. Um, and so... 
having that perspective is very, very important when you see a company like NVIDIA trading at oh, 200 times earnings, 65 times revenues. So that's what's interesting if you look at NVIDIA is that that price to sales ratio, sorry, not 60, 36, 60s, it's insane, but also 36 is insane. And it's never traded at this level, price to sales level. Even during the first dot-com boom, NVIDIA traded at a peak of 29 times sales. Okay, and that was in the year 2000. What did the stock do from there? Let me pull that up. I'm going to pull up a very long-term monthly chart. Oh, geez. I'm going to find this. Okay. So then in 2000, it peaked at, where are we? $5 split adjusted. It went all the way down to less than a dollar. So down over 80%, right? Then it rallied in 2007, peaked out around $9 and fell all the way down to about one and change. So not to say NVIDIA is going to have the same time of bust, but history says that when you're paying 30 plus times earnings, very few companies ever get there and almost no, I don't, I can, I don't know of any companies that ever grown into that level of valuation. It's never happened. Maybe NVIDIA will be the first. You never know. But Having a bit of perspective and understanding hype versus reality um, is, is important. And especially when you see the company sell $10 billion into this pump, I, I call it a huge pump and dump, right? They pumped up the, the view of what AI is going to do for their business. Not that it's going to be not going to be positive, but it's going to have the, the level of growth that they're expecting. History says no. Uh, and that's why they're selling $10 billion worth of stock. That's why the largest shareholder is selling uh, all of their position, right? So follow the money uh, and not just what they say. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.